Father God, we just um, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you that um, you opened our eyes this morning and that we were able to come here. Lord, we thank you for your word and the ability to engage you every day because of, of what you tell us in, in the scriptures, Lord. And um, Lord, we thank you for relationship with you. And we even thank you for, for our utter dependency upon you each day, Lord. So we pray that, um, that we would be able to hear from you today. Lord, we pray that we would decrease and that you would increase, Lord. And, uh, and that we would be able to um, catch some of your vision for people with disabilities throughout the world, Lord. We say these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, my name is Kim Carbo. And I'm the uh, director of Women of Hope International. We work with women with disabilities in West Africa. Um, three years ago, disability was never on my radar. It was not something that I was like, you know, from childhood, boy, when I get into my 40s, I'm going to go do disability ministry. That was not on my radar. Um, and I was asked to serve as a consultant to some women who wanted to do disability ministry in Sierra Leone. Which uh, And the reason why I was asked to be a consultant is because Sierra Leone is home to me. Um, I grew up there and had done a lot of ministry in Sierra Leone. So I was really just going along as sort of a country consult, consultant. And uh, in the middle of a focus group uh, in Sierra Leone three years ago, the Lord um, messed up my life pretty good with a woman named Martha, who I came to discover during that group um, when I was nine and she was seven. She was buried essentially in my backyard um, up to her armpits and left to die because her family thought she was a demon uh, because of a withered leg that she was born with. And um, that rocked my world, and it was what the Lord used to compel me into disability ministry. So I didn't really have a choice in the matter. Um, I was born about 26 years ago. Um, The doctors think that the umbilical cord wrapped around my arm in utero, and uh, and so I was born with this disability. Um, And really, disability for me um, has just, the Lord's really taken me through a journey and brought me to the point of seeing um, this as a gift. And uh, But he did that. It it took a while for me to see that. Um, And so when I was born, my mother... Uh, and my father, they were both just really afraid of what my life would look like. And, and they really thought that there was a good chance I wouldn't be able to live a normal life just because of people's perceptions around disability. Um, and so upon my birth, they were kind of heartbroken. And my grandmother, of course, I didn't know this um, until much later in life, but my grandmother decided that God must not be good if he were to allow me to be born this way and just... Um, to face the struggles that, that I would uh, later in life. And so, but in spite of, of those, those initial reactions to disability, my parents really did a great job of just empowering me and, um, and really kind of tough love, um, putting me in situations where I was uncomfortable. You know, I played sports. I was very active. And they always just encouraged me. Um, They told me that the can't was a four-letter word and that, yes, it might take adaptations and I may have to learn how to do things differently than others, but but I could could do that and it would just look different. And um, so, but the thing with me, so the physical abilities, the physical challenges weren't 
weren't that big of a deal growing up, really. I mean, yes, I was slower at tying my shoes than other people, but it wasn't a, a big hindrance to me. But what was was just the emotional um, the and, and the social issues that came with disability. And that was just, you know, the pity looks, um, the questions at a young age, people wondering, why are you different? Why, why do you look this way? And, uh, and really having to, to wrestle with, well, why am I different? And, um, and, you know, my parents had taught me, God made me this way for a reason, but I didn't, I didn't really like it. And I didn't want that responsibility or what, whatever it was, the purpose that God gave me. And, and so finally today, like I said, he's, uh, in his faithfulness, he just continually showed me um, that he does have a purpose, and, and this is good, and this is a gift that he's given me. Um, but in that also, that wrestling and that coming to him with, you know, the pain or the, the pity looks or, you know, the silly things that, that just happen daily that come with disability, um, first I had to acknowledge, um, in order to get to that point, just God's sovereignty in all of this, um, and that God is, in fact, sovereign over disability. And so we, we really don't take my word for it. We wanted to, to look into the scripture. And this has been, uh, with Women of Hope, this is just something that we're, we're trying to consistently engage in, is understanding God's purpose for disability so that we might be able to glorify him um, in that. Uh, and so first we look at in Exodus, and it says, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And so you can't really deny, I mean, he's saying he made man mute or deaf or seeing or blind. Um, And so it's just kind of, we recognize that we live in a fallen world, um, but he's saying he's control, he has control over disability here in Exodus. This is a long one, but so this is Paul. Um, and he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so here Paul kind of, um, he points out the fact that, that this thorn in his flesh, which many say could be or could have been a disability, we don't really know, um, but nonetheless, it's suffering, and it, he says, or he attributes this thorn in his flesh to a messenger of Satan. And uh, and so again, I think we can acknowledge that um, that these maybe potential thorns in our flesh, um, they're not from God. He's not in the sin, um, but he has power over these things, and he, he's glorified in them. In Isaiah, it says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So again, he's just saying um, he brings calamity, 
and and the darkness as well as well-being. And he uses all these things. And lastly, we say... We have Jeremiah, for thus says the Lord, just as I have brought all this great disaster upon this people, so I will bring upon them all the good that I promised them. So we've seen a lot of um, verses, and these are just a few really, that indicate that God is sovereign over disability, that he has the ability to to stop disability, and he doesn't. and while we live in a fallen world and, and there's so many contributing factors and so many causes, but really God is sovereign over that. And so he chooses and decides um, when disability will affect somebody and when it won't. And so then it begs the question, why? What's the purpose in that? Um, and in God's economy, which is so much different than ours, then, then how does that, what does that look like? How does that work out? Um, one of the uh, places where we see some of this is in John 9, where the disciples and Jesus are walking along, and as they are walking along, they see a man blind from birth. And the disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered him, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And this is one of the really um, overt places in the scripture where it really talks about what is God's purpose in disability? And it is really to display his glory and to manifest his works. But then that begs the question, um, because if you go on further in John 9, you see that this man who was born blind uh, was healed. So uh, particularly as Americans, it would be easy for us to assume that the works of God are displayed in the healing of the disability. But that's not our experience, is it? Um, because a lot of people with disabilities are not healed. And God leaves them in the disability. So it doesn't, it doesn't make perfect sense that God's only displayed, his glory is only displayed in the healing of disability. So what is it then? Is it that the disability, that God is glorified in the midst of disability and in the midst of suffering? Or is it that he's glorified only in the healing of the disability or the suffering? And we would submit that really it's both. Um, and we want to we look at that, and that's what we want to explore then over the next um, few minutes with you is, is how is God displayed, how are his works displayed, and how is he glorified in the midst of both the suffering of disability and also in the healing. But maybe tweak your understanding just a little bit of what that healing might look like because a person can be whole and not be whole. So that's what we really want to look, like, look at for a little while this morning. Um, in order to give you a picture of that, we want to introduce you. Watch your tether, Kels. Oh. We want to introduce you to a woman named Robin Heiser. Robin is uh, 53 years old, and she has Down syndrome. And Robin is a very good picture of how the works of God are displayed in the life of a person with a disability. And we're just going to show you a really short clip. This is from a longer um, video called When Robin, Robin Prays. Uh, and we want to show you just a couple minutes of this clip. Maybe, if it works. Hopefully. He said just push play. Turn it up. I love reading the Bible. I'm learning how to paint slowly. I'm a late bloomer. My favorite food is sweet and sour chicken. I love to swim. Just for you, I'm going to slide down so you can take a picture. society today looks at any abnormality and rather than seeing the value in it 
and seeing the genuineness that makes that particular disability unique and precious and wonderful. They look at the, the difficult areas that go with the disability and they don't want to have to deal with that. It's not easy to be a dance. They even make fun of me. They don't know me that well. I'm short for my size. They never, even though I'm 53, they don't know I have a heart. I'm just a fessor. You'll see fessor in your hands. And he's a part and I'm a slave. He molds me. He molds all this with all these handicapped people. So, I guess this is where we hope um, we get to interact with you guys a little bit, but so just looking at that video, and, and you only caught a glimpse of, of Robin's prayer ministry, the video goes on to talk about how she's this incredible prayer warrior uh, and how the Lord's used her, but how were the works of God displayed in Robin's life, do you think? And we think we're so capable on our own, right? Yeah. I think uh, her effect on other people, like her brother, and probably many other people, mm-hmm. is probably one of her um, biggest witnesses because mm-hmm. it makes people sort of stop and on a regular day and look at people and say, what is the value of this person? Mm-hmm. What is the value of me? Yeah. One of the things she, um, they show uh, another guy that's at these these family retreats that Robin um, participates in for people with disabilities, and and she she spoke at one of these, and she talked about how people would talk to her really loudly and really slowly, and she had to communicate, hey, you don't, I'm not deaf, I can understand you, <laughs> but um, but I think that in some of those challenges, just on a daily basis. I think God is glorified in her perseverance and her patience, most definitely. Um, so, but also she touched on her suffering, like I said, and and we found He is most often glorified in the midst and even because of the suffering that we experience. And some um, just some examples 
of how he might be glorified in that suffering um, is just in, in character refinement, like I, I mentioned with Robin, um, just in learning to be patient when people talk to her like she's deaf, in learning to be patient and loving um, and with people who, who may not understand. And one story, just growing up, I mentioned the kids would always ask me questions. And, um, and so at a young age, I remember coming home and, and talking to my mom. And, and, you know, they raised me to be tough, so I didn't really talk about it that much. But I remember one time coming home, and, and I was like, Mom, I'm so tired of these kids asking me questions, and I just want to play with them on the playground. And, um, but they keep wanting to know what happened to my arm. And she was like, my mom's a, a wise woman, but this maybe wasn't the, the most wise or the wisest advice that she ever gave me. And she said, well, you tell them it's none of their beeswax. And so I did. And uh, <laughs> so I was that girl on the playground, and they would ask me, Kelsey, Kelsey, what happened to your arm? And I would say, well, it's none of your beeswax. And I lost friends very quickly <laughs> because, obviously, I wasn't meeting people where they're at, and, and they just wanted to know. And they didn't have bad intentions, but they were just curious. And, of course, as children, like, you know, they, they quickly turned their mind to something else as soon as I answered them. So in that, um, the Lord, well, is consistently refining my character and um, and especially now engaging in disability ministry, um, I'm he's trying to teach me patience. I'm not a quick learner, but uh, and then again, dependency on him is another um, learning that dependency on him. Like we talked about, Robin. Um, another example um, is is just also in disability. The people around us often reap the benefits of that disability sometimes. And, and like Karen mentioned, just as, as people watch someone and in, in the, the perseverance and courage that, for example, Robin takes just in living her, her daily life and in overcoming just daily obstacles, um, the people around her are learning from, from her disability um, and, and how to love through that also. She's just a, a great example of someone who knows how, how to love people well. So we want to uh, look just a little bit, too, at what God's Word says. These are some practical examples of how we can see God being glorified in the midst of suffering and even because of suffering. Um, but we want to look at what His Word says about it, too. And um, there are a number of verses that talk about suffering. If you do a study on suffering, you'll be overwhelmed at the references. So... Um, we just pulled out a couple, but um, first one in First Peter. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And, um, and what this, this one talks to us about is that, number one, often our suffering is at God's will. Um, that's the first point to take note of. Uh, and that in that, in order for us to continue doing good in the midst of suffering, whether that's disability or whatever that sorrow or suffering might be in our life, that we have to entrust our soul to a faithful creator in order to continue to live out the good works that he has planned in advance for us to do in the midst of that suffering. Romans uh, 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, and that Kelsey's already talked about that um, in in the midst of suffering, that there's an endurance that's produced, and then the endurance produces character. And so there is a, a character refinement that comes as a result of suffering that doesn't come in any other way. 
And, uh, and then that, through that, that we gain hope. And hope is, will never disappoint us because our hope is in Christ. And, um, and in all the promises that he has given that will be fulfilled. And then in 1 Corinthians, um, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And this is another place where um, disability is mightily used by God to display his glory because that's what he often does. He will take the things that the world has said are weak or foolish or despised and will just flip that upside down on, his, on its head because that's what he does in his economy. He's always turning things upside down and, and taking the things that we would think make sense and just flipping them over. And, uh, and so that's what he does often with disability. And you can could, you could begin to see that with Robin, that um, if you hung out with Robin for very long, you might start to feel ashamed at just the lack of faith and, and trust that you have in God where she has so much greater faith and dependence on him. And, um, and so he does that all the time. And we see this in our ministry in Africa with women with disabilities as well, um, how God is taking those women that the world has cast aside and thrown out and is creating something beautiful in their lives that the world has to take notice of, that they can't help but take notice of the changes and the transformation that take place in their lives. Um, In that passage in John 9 uh, of the man that was born blind, it could be that Jesus was talking about um, manifesting his works through the healing of that man, Um, But more often, as we talked about earlier, it's our experience that um, that is not what happens, that disabilities are not always healed. And so when we look at at healing and wholeness in regards to disability, I think it behooves us to step back and take a bigger glimpse of what that healing and wholeness might mean because we need to look at it in a holistic sense. It's not just about the removal of the disability or a blind man receiving sight where God is glorified, but that God can be glorified and is most often glorified in the holistic healing and making a person who remains in a a state of disability to be a whole person and and manifest his holistic healing in their life. And so that's what we kind of want to do is just take a little bit of a a look at that. And um, one of the passages that most clearly um, emphasizes that is the passage from Luke 5, and it's also in Mark Um, of Jesus and the paralytic and and this man who was paralyzed and his four friends are very helpful and they they cart him all the way to this place where Jesus is doing um, a talk and there's way too many people and they can't get in and we all know the story and so they climb up on the roof and they dig a hole in the roof and they let him down right in front of Jesus in the midst of all these people and um, and it, it creates quite a hubbub. Uh, And Jesus' reaction creates an even bigger hubbub because Jesus looks at the man and he doesn't just tell him, be healed and get up. He says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. And that's not what he came for. And I think that probably the man was feeling a little disappointed at that point in time. Uh, And his friends who were holding the ropes upstairs are probably feeling a little disappointed also. Like, uh, this is not what we walked here for, carrying this guy. And this, we were hoping for a little more than that, but, but Jesus looked deeper and realized that this man's, what he thought was his greatest need, which was physical healing, was not his greatest need. And Jesus addressed his greatest need, 
And it's the greatest need that all of us have. And so in, in the midst of disability ministry and in um, working with and alongside people with disabilities, what we first need to realize is our own commonality in disability, that our biggest disability for all of us is our sin. And that Jesus addresses that first. And he um, makes sure that he um, addresses the thing that he knows to be the greatest need, even though the man doesn't yet know that that's his greatest need. And that's where he starts. And then, of course, the religious rulers and leaders get all worked up about that. And, and, uh, and so then he goes on to meet what the man thought was his greatest need, and that was his healing. Um, but there was a whole lot of things, I'm sure, that went on in that, um, in that house where they were. And in the, the after effects, as people went home and started talking about it and just their processing of that, um, that Jesus really was looking beyond the immediate. And... What we want to take a look at is that, um, and I, I hope somebody has a Bible, because I'm going to have you um, read out a couple verses for us real quick. So if you have a Bible, whether it's on a device or in paper, either one is fine. Um, if you would uh, turn to Genesis 3 for a minute. And what we want to look at is that in the fall, everything was broken. It wasn't just sin, and, and now we're sinful and, and we're separated from God. But everything was broken in the fall. And, and those Everything can be summed up really in four relationships that were broken by the fall. So somebody could start by reading um, Genesis 3, 8 and 9. And just read it out if you have it. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Okay, so what's the first relationship that we see that's broken? Uh, when man sinned, when Adam sinned. The relationship between man and God, uh, that was the first and primary relationship that was broken, and that that affected everything else. Um, Somebody read verse 7 and verse 10 for us from Genesis 3. Again, we'll just stay in Genesis 3. Okay, what's the relate? This one's a little less overt, but what's the relationship that's broken in the in those verses that we see is broken? Well, there's the each other, but this one is even a little bit more personal than that. Even really, yeah. yeah somebody said it. The relationship between man and his self, himself. He was ashamed, and he had never had cause to be ashamed before. He had never really experienced a, a negative emotion about himself. Um, because he was perfect and had a perfect relationship with God. But now all of a sudden there's this self-doubt and there's shame, and, and those were, are, are things that, that we all deal with, don't we, um, our relationship that's broken with ourself. And then uh, looking again at verse 7, but also 12 and 16, if somebody would read those three verses, 7, 12, and 16. Okay, so what's the relationship that we seem broken here? Okay, man to, in this case, his wife, because it's the only other person around, but um, man to others, that our relationships with each other are broken as a result of the fall. And then lastly, someone will read verses 17 through 19.
Okay, so what's the relationship here that we see that's broken by the fall? Right, the relationship between man and the rest of creation. Um, and we see this all the time, don't we, in our world, um, that our relationship is broken with the creation that God placed us in. Um, and so those four relationships are the relationships that are broken by the fall. And this is true of all of us. But the reason why we bring it up in this context is because often when we look at a person with disability, especially if it's a physical disability that you can see, um, that's the thing that we first see. And then we focus in only on that thing. And we don't look at the fact that people with disabilities are holistic people as well. And so we, we miss out on all of these other um, needs because we're focusing on the thing that's so obvious uh, to us. And... Um, and we need to be like Jesus in looking, at, looking deeper and seeing what their, their whole needs are. We're going to read you a story. This is a true story um, of one of the women in our ministry in Sierra Leone. And it, it really illustrates um, the examples of these broken relationships. Her name is Yayebu, and um, Amy is going to come and read that for you. So you're going to have to come up here to use this. Yeah. And you have to well, hold this, but it's good it's recorded. ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。ですね。
Yebu's daughter, who was about 12 years old at the time, picked him up and carried him on her back to his father. When the landlord saw the boy, he grabbed him away from Yebu's daughter, screaming at her and throwing her on the ground. He said that the girl wounded the boy purposefully and began to stomp on her body over and over until she became crippled and couldn't get up. The child never recovered from her injuries and became disabled like her mother. Now moving forward several years. When Women of Hope announced that they were looking for women to produce products to be sold in America as fair trade, Yebu's daughter, now nearly grown, said to her mother, Let's borrow the money and try to make something to sell. I know how to make purses, and I think they will buy. Yebu borrowed the money and bought the materials, and she and her daughter made purses and bracelets. She brought them to Women of Hope International and sold them. In order to sell the products, the woman must sign a contract and the sales receipt. Yebu had never gone to school, and in fact, she had never held a pen. She was taught how to sign her name, and she signed the receipt for her sale. With the money she earned, Yayebu paid off her debt and had enough money for rent and food for several weeks. However, Yayebu didn't preserve her new skill, or persevere in her new skill. The draw to her old ways was too strong. She had begged for so long that it became comfortable. She returned to the streets and begging. So... We know that's um, kind of a really depressing story. Um, but in looking at Yayebu, um, her life and just the complexities that, come with, that often come with disability, especially in the global south, uh, we really felt like it highlights the, the various different broken relationships. And even as she tried to pursue the, you know, this market opportunity, um, just her... Her relationship with herself um, was, I mean, I mean, it's been affected by the fall, and so it's really hard to persevere and break through that. But so just looking at Yayebu's story, what are some examples of her broken relationship with God, first of all? What did you guys see? From the time she was little, she was told she was part mm-hmm. Yeah, so she believed that, too. So, and the community was telling her she's part demon as well. Um, so, obviously, if you think God made you a demon, that would also affect your relationship with yourself, like I said, um, and God. You'd think he's a bad God. He doesn't love you. Um, so, and with herself, she began to believe what others said. What about her relationship with others? Where, where do we see a broken relationship with others? Mm-hmm. They did. And so anything bad that came to her family, they attributed it to this demon in their household. Um, and then lastly, um, and this one's a little uh, harder to pull out, but where did you see um, the broken relationships with creation and Yayebu and her family? Well, this one, like I said, is, is a little bit... Um, harder to discern, but just um, she was forced to, she couldn't use the latrine like the rest of the people, so her and her kids had to go use the bush, which promotes poor sanitation, and, um, and you know, her living conditions, um, she was living in, in broken down living conditions because of poor stewardship. 
Um, there's a deeper level of healing that's needed as well when you're looking at the issues that surround disability, particularly in the global south. Um, many times the brokenness of lives of people with disabilities is related to the broken societies that they live in. And uh, so that's something that also needs to be addressed. It can't just be addressed in the person themselves, but we have to address the needs of the greater community and the belief systems that are uh, feeding lies that, that cause people to interact with people with disabilities wrongly. Um, Vishal Mangawadi, in his book, Truth and Transformation, and Vishal Mangawadi has been said to be the Francis Schaeffer of India. If you have not read his book, Truth and Transformation, a Manifesto for Ailing Nations, and you have any interest whatsoever in working in ailing nations, uh, our own included, you should read this book. Um, but here's something that he said in, in this regard, um, making notes on the passage from John 9 and the man born blind. Because an unknown blind beggar is special to God, we must have compassion for him individually. This compassion must be visible in specific acts of mercy, but our compassion for him must go deep enough to create a society that can see that a blind man is a special person. He should not have to live a hand-to-mouth, insecure existence until one day he falls sick, becomes too weak to beg, and rots by the roadside to be eaten by beasts, birds, and worms. A society that cannot see the intrinsic value of a blind beggar is blind to truth. Its blindness needs to be exposed so that it can be transformed into a humane and compassionate community. Given this quote, and, um, and what he talks about in, in his book in this section is um, where Jesus, the, the disciples ask, who, was, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this man was born blind? They're looking for a cause. They're looking for a place to lay blame. And, and Jesus kind of flips that around on them. And um, he says it's not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And basically what he, what he does is confront them with their own sin. Yes, the man is born blind, but why does that relegate him to the position of beggar? That's a sin of the community. That's a sin of the society. And so it's not this man's sin nor his parents. The reason why he's a beggar is the sin of the society around him. And so if this is, if this is true, um, what we've just talked about in the scriptures and, and then what this quote sort of summarizes for us out of this book um, what are the implications, then, to ministry? Most of us, I would assume, are in some sort of healthcare ministry because that's what this conference is about. So just making an assumption. But, um, but what are our implications, then, in ministry uh, because of this statement? Just throw out a couple things if you can think of something off the top of your head. Right. Yes, that is really, yeah. really important. Yeah. That intrinsic value piece is extremely important. It's, in, it's true in our own communities as well, in our own society, in our own culture, that because we value productivity, and we often then t tend to see people with disabilities as not being terribly productive people, or particularly some disabilities will look at that and say, there's not really a good place for you in terms of productivity, and particularly in the global south, you'll see that a lot. But we have that same sin in our own culture as well. 
And um, so ascribing value based on productivity uh, is going to, well, it's a wrong, it's a wrong ascription of value. Um, we need to teach people to think biblically about people, um, and then that including people with disabilities, too. Um, so, yes. Right. Amen. And I, I mean, I think it's easy for us to say those things and, and feel like we're preaching to the choir here because we're probably you showed up because you already think that. And of course, the, the idea of do we educate a child or not because they have a disability just seems silly to us, I think, often. But looking at the global south, um, that's something that we skip over. It's not that that thinking isn't, isn't there yet. Um, okay, and then again, what we want to do as we develop our own ministries is to really look at the one great example that we have, and that's Jesus and the way that he did ministry uh, to people with disabilities. And so we just pulled out um, within the Gospels how many different interactions with people with various disabilities Jesus had, and we were overwhelmed by the fact that there's 37 just within the Gospels. Um, and obviously, Jesus' ministry is what we want to pattern our own after. Um, so we encourage, we, we put that on the handout. All the references are in there. Um, if We encourage you guys to wrestle with it yourself. There's an additional six in the book of Acts um, in the early church's ministry as well, um, specific to disability. So um, just take those home with you, and if you're... If this is truly an area that you are passionate about, have interest in, um, do a study on that. It's really very eye-opening. There's one more really unique um, place where Jesus makes reference specifically to disability. And basically at this point in his ministry, um, John has been imprisoned uh, by Herod. And John and Jesus were buds, right? Like they've known each other since they were babies. And, and John's announced him. John baptized him. Like they, it's not like they're strangers. And yet John is sitting in prison and he's a little doubtful. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, go and ask him, um, are you the one that we're supposed to be looking for or should we keep looking for somebody else? Jesus then turns to John's disciples and says, uh, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. It's fascinating to me that Jesus, in identifying himself, in proving his identity to John, a good friend of his, cousin of his, um, that he used disability and his ministry to people with disabilities as his identity, that that's how he identified himself to John. John, here's the proof. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, lepers are cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the poor have good news preached to them. And... Um, and I include the poor as one of the disabilities only because in most of the world, uh, because of their access issues to education and employment and all of those types of things, they do tend to be um, on the lower levels of the socioeconomic strata in whatever society. And, uh, and so Jesus identifies himself 
by his interaction with disabilities. I think this has profound implications to us who claim to be his followers. If we're ignoring people with disabilities, um, I think that that should make us pause. And, um, and like I said, I've done community development, community health, uh, I'm a nurse, and disability was never on my radar until three years ago. And, um, and it's not, I grew up in Africa, I saw people with disabilities, um, it wasn't like I was unaware, but it just never really hit me that this was something that Jesus felt that strongly about, um, that he would put it in the Gospels 37 times to show us references to his own interactions with people with disabilities, that he would identify himself, define himself by his ministry to people with disabilities. And so I guess our um, final question and challenge to you is, what about you in your ministries? What are the implications for you in your ministry as you follow in the footsteps of Christ in providing um, health care ministry around the world? Um, are you including people with disabilities? And you may not see them. People with disabilities are often hidden. Um, as we have begun working with women with disabilities uh, in Africa, it has been astounding how they come out of the woodwork because they're not out there. They're, they're hidden and they stay in their homes either because of somebody's choice, somebody else's choice, don't come out, or because of their own choice, because of shame and um, discomfort and access issues. Maybe they just can't get out of their house um, and no one's really ever provided uh, a means for them to be able to be more mobile and, and leave their house. So often people with disabilities are going to be hidden. If you're not seeing them in your healthcare ministry, I would submit that you need to find them, um, and that's what Jesus did. He went out. He didn't just, like, stand someplace and wait for everybody to come. Um, he walked around. He went and found people with disabilities, and he interacted with them specifically, and he gave us a lot of material on how he did that. So this is just kind of our final challenge to you, um, that you would just ask him, what does he want you to do? What are the implications for you and your uh, healthcare ministry around the world for people with disabilities? If you would like to talk to us more, we have a few minutes, I think, before the main session starts, and then we have some material on the back about our ministry, uh, Women of Hope International in uh, West Africa with women with disabilities, and we'll stick around, and you can come and ask us some questions if you want or take some material as well. We just want to say this is the first year we, we got to present, and so thank you for coming, mm -hmm. and, and thank you for your interest in disability and, and what you're doing um, in your ministry. So.